Your mother actually ran a public company as chairman of the board in style. What are your thoughts about women expressing themselves through fashion and positions of leadership? I think it goes back to everyone putting an emphasis on taking care of yourself and projecting an image of strength. And it's not frivolous. It's defining the power that you want in your career, in your company. And yes, she was chairman of the board and she would put together like sick looks when she had board meetings because she wanted to project the craziest St. John knit multi-combo outfits. And I loved that. I think it's a point of differentiation that women can do and we should have fun with it. Like, you know, if someone gets dressed up for work and looks uncomfortable, they probably don't project the communication they want that day. So comfort is key. But yeah, if you feel good in dressing up, I think women in leadership positions, it only gives you more strength. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to a Fashion Moment podcast. Whether you're a fashion lover or just fashion curious, welcome. I literally love bringing you one-on-one interviews week after week with your fashion favorites. I get inspired every time, and I hope you do too. This podcast is not sponsored, and all of us here are freely giving our time because we all believe in this and we love it. I would love to continue this great work and bring you even more content, exclusive features, and live events in the years ahead. If you love the podcast or just want to support, buy me a coffee. Yes, a coffee. You can visit buymeacoffee.com slash a fashion moment to become a fashion friend for one coffee a month, $5, or click the support tab to grab any amount you like. Again, that's buymeacoffee.com slash a fashion moment. Thank you for supporting us. Now on to the show. At the age of 25, Toronto native and fashion designer Tanya Taylor launched her namesake brand in 2012, taking the New York fashion scene by storm. Equipped with academic training from McGill University, Central St. Martins, and Parsons in conjunction with her unwavering belief in her vision, Taylor transformed her clothing line into the successful multifaceted brand it is today, ranging from women's wear to home collections and even nail polish. But what I love the most about Tanya is that art, activism, and inclusivity are at the core of her work. Whether it's getting people to register to vote, providing a range of sizes beyond the industry standard, or her ongoing collaboration with Memorial Sloan Kettering, Tanya uses her talents, connections, and love for fashion to make an impact. I had an absolute blast chatting with her, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Check it out. Hello, Tanya, and welcome to A Fashion Moment. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm such a fan of your work, like for so long. So this is so great. Just seeing your growth, you know, watching you like at New York Fashion Week and just, I mean, the it just keeps getting better and better, which is so exciting. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. That's very sweet. <laughs> well, you know, I... 
I love starting at the beginning. Like, I mean, I was just, I, it, it was such a delight just to go through like your life and just to sort of see the growth, both personally and professionally. So I would love to just start with, you know, like what was life like growing up in Toronto? Yeah. So I grew up in Toronto until university and I'm actually here right now. So I feel like I'm, it's funny to be back in the city when you're in your thirties and you're remembering what it felt like when you were, you know, in your teens. Um, I thought it, you know, I grew up in the suburbs outside the main like downtown core and it was creative. It was, um, very calm. It was, um, you know, really influenced by my parents' travels. They worked for the Red Cross when I was growing up. So like I lived in a house that was colorful, that had a ton of like, you know, crafts from all around the world. And I just was really happy as a kid. I think, you know, it was, um, it was a great city to grow up and it's super multicultural, really arts focused, um, and really like, friendly. Everyone always says Canadians are like the friendliest people and the kindest people. And I totally agree. I think that there's, there's, there's like a sense of community and supporting one another. Uh, I love that so much. And you, I mean, I have to check, but like Toronto fashion week is like pretty awesome. And the city is great. <laughs> so at the beginning of the brand, um, we brought our fashion show back to Toronto a couple times and they were doing these like really great, um, opportunities for like us or Jason Wu or, or yeah. Dan, like Canadians that were showing other fashion weeks to be able to bring your show back, do a runway show. Um, and it was so awesome to do it on like home territory. I love that so much. Well, you know, you mentioned color earlier. So I, I I'm curious, like what is like one of your earliest fashion memories that you can remember? I had very fashionable mom and grandmother. Um, even to this day, my grandma's 90 years old and she dresses in like, like a cashmere knit twin set with like a bumblebee brooch and she has her nails done every Thursday. She has her hair done every Wednesday and she's like, like ready to go. Like she could go to like the best luncheon and just, she's ready. So I feel like I grew up in this family that had a sense of polish, a sense that fashion was a way you expressed yourself. There was no like, um, uniform. Like it felt like all the women in my family had an individual style. And I really got to see how they like loved color, loved print, loved kooky sweaters of the eighties. Um, and my dad is part of that. Like my dad was really into, you know, print and color and like, you know, I think coming from like living in Southeast Asia would come back with the coolest textiles and make it into menswear. And I just, I felt a sense of freedom and it was like the medium of how to, you know, express your personality as a kid. Oh, I love that so much. Um, you know, your mother actually ran a public company as chairman of the board in style, which I love. Um, so like, what are your thoughts about women expressing themselves like through fashion and positions of leadership. Like some people are like, Oh, it's so frivolous. Like, you know, like let's focus on her position, but it's like, hello. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to everyone putting an emphasis on self-care on taking care of yourself and projecting an image of strength. And it's not frivolous. It's 
defining the power that you want in your career, in your company. Um, and yes, she was chairman of the board and she would put together like sick looks when she had board meetings because she wanted she wanted to like project the craziest St. John knit, like multi-combo outfits. And um, I loved that. I think it's a point of differentiation that women can do and we, we should have fun with it. I never think like, you know, if someone gets dressed up for work and looks uncomfortable, they probably don't project you know, the communication they want that day. So comfort is key, but yeah, if you, if you feel good in dressing up, I think women in leadership positions, it only gives you more strength. Oh, I mean, I can only imagine what some of those looks look like. We're going to need pictures, Tanya. We're, we I need know. pictures. We need, we need a <laughs> workshop with your grandma, like basically like what you were yeah. describing. I'm like, that's how I want my life to be. Like, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> And it's funny how like color focused it was. And I didn't realize this was different than other kids growing up, but like my mom would have seasonal colors that she became obsessed with. She'd have the matching shoe to the handbag. Cause that's what they were taught in the sixties. You have to do. And then inside the handbag, she would have the matching nail polish. So it was like, it's like purple was her thing. She would have vials of OPI Pompeii oh purple nail polish in the with the top shine spray and like the whole vibe was coordinated and like prepared. Um, so it's just, it's, it's like something I've adopted and like really loved is how women get a little eccentric with their fashion and their color and they are. So your academic journey, like, let's talk about it. So you started at McGill University, very prestigious, by the way. Um, and you were deeply, you know, you aspired to work in fashion, which I thought was interesting. And then you would later go to Central St. Martin's and Parsons, which is also like two really great schools. Um, so, you know, just sort of going through that, that's like not easy, like sort of, you know, starting in finance and then sort of transitioning into fashion and design, like, you know, what kind of kept you going at the time? Like what, like, especially with those transitions and those sacrifices? Yeah, I think it was definitely, you know, a path less traveled. There weren't a lot of kids in business school when I was studying finance that were going to fashion. Most people were going into banking and, um, you know, hedge funds. And that felt like a really safe career path. But I always had a really strong creative instinct for painting and for, you know, being with women. And I think that just the finance world generally was lacking a lot of female connection that I enjoy. Um, and so, yeah, took, went out on a, like a whim and went to a summer program in central St. Martin's. It was fantastic. Day one, they said, put your elbows in paint and like spread it on the, like spread it on this big piece of paper and express yourself through your body, like get warmed up as a creative. I was like, wait a second. This is like what I did when I was seven years old. This is amazing that I do this at school. And, um, it just led me to Parsons. Um, after I graduated at McGill, I went to Parsons. I did the AAS program there, which is the two-year fashion design course that is so like, um, it's like the four-year bachelor program, but on, you know, speed. Steroids. Um, oh. steroids. And, and I, I just like, 
I have a passion for what I like. I always need to be passionate about what I'm working on. And so I just kind of let myself lead, you know, I led myself in the direction of cities that made me feel really inspired, um, you know, studies that made me inspired. And then I just kept like meeting people that really affirmed that I was in the right place. Oh, I love that. I, I'm like, wait, what is your sign? Because you're just like, <laughs> Sagittarius. you're just like, I have to feel, feel passionate. I was like, yes. <laughs> wait, what, what sign are you? Well, I mean, I'm the same way, but I'm a Gemini. So I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like, are we the same? Like we, you know, you got to feel it. You got to feel it. So, you know, I have to ask as well, you know, do you believe your finance background helped you as a designer, as an entrepreneur? Because some people are like, oh, like, you know, it was wasted time. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think it's helped me um, in two ways. Like practically it helps me because I can manage a business. I'm still managing, you know, I'm operating as CEO and creative director. So I can still manage everything that goes on with our company, which we're, you know, 30 people now. So that's like a job that is hard, but I think what it's really helped me do is the, is the way I think is more balanced. So instead of designing something that is absolutely gorgeous and stunning, but maybe cannot be produced, cannot really make it into the hands of a lot of people, I can kind of use my background in business to understand product development in a different way, understand, you know, how to optimize something so that we can produce it and that a lot of people can enjoy it. And I think that that's that like kind of yin and yang of like rational and creative um, has served me well from the beginning because it's allowed us to be in business for 10 years and really um, just set us up in a way that we can, you know, be commercially viable, but still creative. I went through your career path post school and I just have to ask, like, what was it like working with Mary Kate and Ashley at Elizabeth and James? Amazing. And secondly, was there an item, like a favorite item that you designed while you were there where you were just like, this is it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, totally. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I loved working for them because they were my age and they were designing clothing for women our age, which sounds not revolutionary now, but honestly, 10 years ago, contemporary was new and it was really like, it was bigger brands that were entering the market. And there weren't a lot of young girls designing with a personal instinct to design. So like that just felt really cool and inspiring. Um, and they were really hands-on. Um, so it was great to have time with them. But I think the the item that like stands out in my mind the most is the... F- I never knew I could do print design. Like I just knew I kind of doodled and painted and like whatever. But when I was on the design team, I had the opportunity to do print design. And I designed a print and it ended up on this like... like wait, this year would have been like 2010. So like chiffon long, like kind of bohemian dress. And it was the center page of the Neiman Marcus ad in um, the, like, I think it was the December issue of Vogue. And I remember just thinking like, 
How cool is that? And then recently we moved and I found the dress and I'm going to take it on holiday and I'm going to wear it in like a week because I, I never like to get rid of things that mean a lot. Um, so that dress I think meant a lot to me. Um, we need to see this dress on the gram. I'm just putting yeah. it out there. I'm just putting it out there. We'll be looking yeah. for it. That is so yeah. cool. Let's you see know. if it. <laughs> That's another question. Oh, oh, listen, you're good. You're good. We believe. We believe. Um, so, you know, what inspired you to take the leap, you know, to go out on your own and start your own line? Well, probably similar to seeing them design for them, I thought that I had room to design for me. And for me, it was very art focused, um, very color and print driven. Um, and I just had this, you know, urge to really try something on my own. I, I think I was encouraged by having such an entrepreneurial family who really showed the benefit of building teams that become your family. And that you get so much meaning from work and fulfillment when you can create something you're proud of. So I think that helped me not feel fearful. Um, and then I just did it. I did it with one employee. His name was Will. He is <laughs> hey, Will. One- oh my God. Will, Will is one of the most cherished people in my life to this date. And he and I started from zero. Like we met at Starbucks figured out how to get the phone line started, like debated if we needed a fax machine, which like, why? I don't know. Like, why would we need one? (laughs) Um, But we just didn't know how to start a business. And it was a blast. Like I stayed long hours, worked my ass off and it was all worth it because there was so much passion behind every decision. I love that so much. A fax machine. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think the last time I saw a fax machine being used was to submit something to Ruth Finley, God rest her soul, like to the fashion calendar. Oh. That was like the last, <laughs> last time. Oh my God. That would, that would make sense. I bet. Yeah. There was a fashion calendar fax machine for sure. But, you know, you mentioned something really interesting, you know, the importance of building a team. Um, I'm I'm curious, like, do you have any advice for folks on, on how to build a a team that works? Yeah, it's, I mean, the last two years have really put a tailspin in how to make teams work, but I think in general circumstances, the, the like need to really be clear on the values of the brand, the expectations of roles, um, and then really give praise where praise is needed. And, Build a build um, organization that really focus on collaboration. Like we just had an all team meeting this morning, and I didn't prompt this, but a lot of people gave shout outs to each other for the sense of collaboration they're feeling these days. And I think that that's why you work for a company is you like who you work with, you are connected to other teams and understand the greater goals. Um, and I just yeah, it's it's fostering that like no job is too small and there's no hierarchy and that we're all in this to build it together. Um, so we have honestly, hands down the most incredible team right now that have really dedicated a lot of time and effort in the last year of pivoting and craziness. Um, but I think coming out of the years, it's been, that's been probably the hardest part of my job is like growing up 
like I was 25 when I started the company and I'm 36 now and maturing while becoming a manager while trying to inspire and encourage others has been like the biggest life lesson. Oh my goodness. Can we get a book on that, Tanya? Can we? Oh Let's, just add it. Let's just add it in. Yeah. I have no idea what that would be called. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, the times that we're in. Um, I would love to just pivot there and, and you know, ask, like, how has the pandemic sort of changed your life, uh, both personally and professionally? Well, personally, um, I had our second son in the pandemic. So there was a lot of life changes of being pregnant and, you know, figuring out where to live and everything to keep everyone safe. Um, which I thrive in high intensity environments. Like if you give me the most challenging, like, like shit show of a world, like I can, I like to figure it out. Um, so I, I'd, I'd say like, maybe my nervous system <laughs> would disagree after two years. No. Like, <laughs> at the beginning, I was like, you know, really motivated to make sure we could protect our team, that we could keep our, you know, relationships with our factories healthy and that they were okay. Um, that our retailers still believed in us. So it took like, I always say there were phases, like the first six months were like survival mode of business. And then it was kind of, you know, rebuild mode of what, what will this look like when we come out of it? Um, and then right now we're in actually a really strong growth mode where the, you know, we've downsized our business drastically, but we are growing at such a healthier rate that we can really kind of feel more stable around, um, you know, how we support the team and what partnerships we take on. And it just feels, it feels better than it could have if this hadn't happened. You know, just for the folks who may not know, it's like, I know, but like for those who don't know, how would you describe your brand and sort of like the role of color? Yeah. I mean, I always say that, you know, we're a really kind of approachable, inviting, colorful, optimistic brand. We are inspired by the culture of New York. We are size inclusive, size zero through 22, um, hand paint our prints, talk about that process a lot to our customers. Um, and just believe that like, regardless of age or size, that women really come to us to, you know, have fun with fashion. There is just like a playfulness about everything we do. I love that. And you mentioned, you know, I'm so glad that you brought up size inclusivity. Um, I read in a previous article that, you know, it was just really hard watching your mom, like, you know, struggle to find her size, you know, and it really sort of stayed with you to ensure that you provide a brand that can include everyone. And some of the things, you know, that folks say in the industry about that, like, oh, resources and money and time, like, is there advice or what would you say to those companies who may be finding it challenging? Was it challenging for you? Is there a way to get you know, around it so that you are inclusive? Like what are some key points that folks should think about? Yeah, we started um, becoming uh, offering size zero through 22 almost five years ago. So I think that we have really been kind of first adopters to figuring out the kinks of manufacturing, 
of fit models, of finding the customer base and educating around this price point. Um, and I, I just say to larger companies that if we can do it, I really think they can do it. Um, and we've been really open in sharing how we did it with anyone interested. Um, it definitely takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of money at the beginning, um, but the customer is there and they are so loyal. They're so excited to have happy, feminine, cool clothes that they've never felt they deserved, which is so sad. And I think that what I've really come to understand is that the interest in being flirty and expressive and like young has no size on it. And that there needs to be there needs to be more brands that does that don't approach size inclusivity as um like an arm of the company that may or may not exist and gets marketed yeah. differently. We really love marketing it like there's no difference. Like the style doesn't change, it just gets optimized for body shape. And it's really important to us that that customer feels included. Oh, I love that. Optimized. Yeah. Like we're yeah. optimizing here. I love that. <laughs> Taking it. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I don't think I've ever said it before, so I'm taking it too. I'm like, oh, that was good. See, Tanya, we're just going to add it to the book. That could be the chapter title. I'm just throwing favorite. it out there. Yeah. <laughs> this past summer, I mean, you launched a home line. I mean, like through Instagram, like, like what, what, ha- like, how did this happen? Like, how, like, what? <laughs> I feel like we have definitely spent some time during the pandemic saying, okay, what are we great at? Print and color. Um, how do we reach a broader um, lifestyle of our customer? So a lot of our customers have children. A lot of our customers enjoy entertaining. Um, a lot of our customers travel. So we launched swimwear, children's wear, and homeware. And swimwear was something that is we took very seriously. We really like worked on product development and fit also size zero through 22. Um, it's on sustainable recycled fabric. There's really a lot of thoughtful details to the manufacturing of swim children's wear, super fun, miniaturized, like all these little like mommy dresses and made it more like a small capsule, but home was really cool because my mom had secretly kind of secretly, she had, um, been emailing our head of production for years. And anytime there was leftover fabrics from a season, she would say, ship me, ship me the fabrics. And so she created like a, she was hoarding our fabrics, like, you know, every year (laughs) she started, she started making chairs, um, like light lampshades, couches, pillows, like, and I just had a blast kind of arriving at her house last Christmas. She lives in Barbados and I took pictures of them and posted them on Instagram. And we had never received a response to anything like we did to the questions we asked around home and around the images. Like it was just, it was amazing. We were asking people, do they want, you know, down inserts or acrylic inserts, what price point, if they like, you know, fringe, and there were thousands and thousands of people that responded. So we just took it as a, a reason to start making our own 
home um, tabletop collection in a really like low lift way. So we were taking excess fabrics and making um, tablecloths and napkins. Um, and then we partnered with a brand. I love my who does plates and we did um, just a fun little party in the Hamptons and got to see people we hadn't seen in two years and show them our tabletop and it sold well. We got great press and it was just fun. So we're going to keep doing that. Um, and we'll have another drop of that coming out this summer. Get ready, you guys. Start saving now. I can't wait. So, you know, you're approaching your 10-year anniversary. Super exciting. Um, you've gone from, you know, a Vogue fashion fun finalist to basically running this multidimensional like brand. And I mean, just recently added beauty to the mix with the paint box nail polish set. Like what, what is this? Oh, I've loved paint box from the day they opened on Howard street or Crosby street in New York, because our office was behind it. So I'd go there for my manicure and I just thought it was the chicest. Um, and we were just thinking of like, what, how to bring color again to lifestyle elements and beauty and paint box felt like the perfect partner. So we, we did an exclusive product with Instagram for that and launched it through Instagram live selling two weeks ago. Um, and like Eva Chen jumped in and did, of you know, course she did. Stuff. She's so awesome. I love her. I know. And it was, it was just like, I love applying kind of our design point of view to different products. So it was, it was a great collaboration. Oh, I love that. You know, it, it, you have so many different things going on with the brand and sometimes, you know, some designers may find it challenging, like growing so large, like how do you sort of balance, you know, the business side while still maintaining the creative involvement with your brand? Um, I think it has everything to do with your team. And if they really share the same philosophies, they believe in the same design aesthetic, then it's not all on you. Your team can grow, business can grow. But if everyone is kind of waving that same flag of this is what we stand for, then you just can all do it together. Um, and so I, you know, we're, we're nowhere near the size I want to be. I want to be so much bigger. So I think yes. that kind of, so like setting the foundation of what, how we manage the size of business has been really important to me so that we can just kind of, you know, grow on it. So business, look at you creative, but I see that business like coming out oh, like strategically. It's so good. It's, it's like my ambitious competitive side is I'm like, okay, more market share. Like, it's like, it's a fun, yeah. it's fun to be creative in both sides. I love it so much. See people, it's possible. It's possible to both be business-minded and creative. So in September, 2020, now this was, I was like, what is going on? You halted your participation in New York Fashion Week to launch a campaign called Things That Take Longer Than Registering to Vote. I freaking love it. What was it? What inspired you to create it? And who was involved? So we saw fashion week coming up as everyone else did. And everyone was scrambling as to what they should do, show collections, IRL, virtual. And we just felt that we had a great collection that wholesalers could see in market, but that we had a bigger message we needed to share during that September specifically, which was around registering to vote. We have been always really vocal with values that we care about 
and the election was something that we were really um, focused on. So we decided to create a video compilation and I just thought it, I love, I love, like I have a sense of humor that is like a little bit quirky sometimes. And I like the idea that people that maybe hadn't registered would think it takes a long time or would think that it's hard. And so watching a celebrity like do a very mundane activity for a minute would prove that if you can make your sandwich or you can water your plants or you can throw a ball to your dog that you can totally register to vote. And we were so pleased with the outcome. We had Hillary Clinton, we had Rosario Dawson, we had Zosha Mamet, um, Mindy Kaling, like we just emailed people and they were really interested in participating. And I think I'm always interested in how like activism and fashion can coincide in the same lighthearted way. So it never feels like so serious. And we created an action button on our website that people could go and they could either register or they could check for registration. And we've registered thousands of people on our site, which just felt like the right outcome of fashion week. Oh, thank goodness. I mean, what a year. That's amazing. I'm so glad we made it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you were able to do that and run that campaign. Um, So, you know, you start, you stated in a previous interview, I want to build a brand that impacts the community through color beyond clothing. And I think it sort of builds upon what you just shared. So like, what are some of the other things? I'm just curious. I'm sure you have a list of things that you and the team, you know, want to address or or support in terms of impact, um, either locally or, you know, globally. I, I'm sure you have so many things that you're very like passionate about, which I love. I'm like, ooh, yes. <laughs> so what's on the list, Tanya? Well, I feel like a project I'm really proud of that we're going to expand on is um, right before the pandemic, we um, we redid the pediatric floor of Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital, and we took our prints and redid the hospital curtains and started teaching painting classes in the atrium for patients and their siblings. Um, and that was so meaningful because... I teach our classes and color therapy classes to customers. We've done them at Saks. We've done them, you know, in Beverly Hills at Christie's. Like we, we've made it feel very elevated and very fancy, but I think that color and painting is actually just a tool that anyone can use for mental health and for, you know, expressing themselves. So teaching it to patients was really important. And I think what it taught us is that the impact of art is immeasurable and can really just spread so much joy. So I think on our, our list for next year is definitely, you know, more public projects that involve art and bring color to spaces, you know, on buildings or out in the world that can really, um, create and measure impact. Um, and definitely continuing our partnerships with, you know, the MSKs of the world and other organizations that we support their values. I love it. Right on. I'm ready. I'm ready for the murals. I'm like, if you want to do one in the DC area, we're here. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny that you mentioned the DC area? Have you ever gone to see the church in the north? I think it's the northeast area of DC and it's painted by an artist named Hence. Um, You should read. There's an incredible article about the impact that this colorful church has made on the community around it. 
they, um, they, it was a community that was having a lot of crime and they decided to take this art project as a, like a socioeconomic test to see whether making something so beautiful and colorful would unite the community to come to it. And it's like really, really, really interesting how, um, how much it's made a difference and how it's become an art center and an after-school program center. So he's an artist that we actually want to work with. Um, I will be looking that up immediately after this conversation. That sounds amazing. And I will need to hunt him down for some other projects. That's amazing. Um, well, speaking of DC, the DC area during the Obama administration, you, you were white house regular and you worked, uh, and dressed, you know, the Michelle Obama several times and you, you went to the farewell party, which I saw on on television. I was like, wow, that looks like really fun. And I was just like vicariously living through all the slubs on there. And you and your mom were on the dance floor, Paul McCartney, like what? Like, first of all, what was that party like? And second of all, was there a celebrity where you were just like, wow, your moves are like legit. Like I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Usher's moves. Like, I mean, Usher was dancing to Usher and my mom, thank God knew who he was and was like, we were just, we were just against the wall, like jaws on the ground. Um, the party was, we'll never, I will never go to a party like that again in my life. Like it was so fabulous. And I think the best part of it was the warmth. Like Mm. people were just really, really happy. Um, casual and ready to have a good time. But yeah, my, my, my poor mom, it started at 11 o'clock. It, oh, ends, it ended at like <laughs> five o'clock and like the woman was just giving her all. Like yes! She, was, okay. yes! she, looked, she looked so good. Um, but she, wore, she wore way too high heels, but yeah, they had, um, there was a, there was like a funny thing that came out about that party recently that like Chrissy Teigen was writing little notes, I guess, or something. And oh like my goodness. leaving them around the white house and people found them years later. Um, but yes, that, that administration brings people together and it was like the biggest, um, joy, like biggest thing I'm most thankful for was being part of it. Ah, uh, I love it. Well, we got to ask, like, what were you wearing? Oh my gosh. I wore, I had just landed from Switzerland actually that day. So I was wearing like a floral kind of dress that I made that had like a big tie at the neck and it was freezing Ooh. cold January. Um, and my mom wore like a sheer dress that we made for Swarovski with like Excuse crystal me? flowers on it. I know she had like, she, she, she looked great. Um, but it was, it was a mixed bag. Like some people were wearing like jeans because they were just ready to dance. Like it was, it wasn't stuffy. I love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I just, I was like, I, I got to ask her. Um, yeah. But you're also a wife and a mom, like high five American hero. I'm a mother of two, like a three, a three and a five-year-old. So I'm like, oh my gosh, me too. Boys or girls? Boys. Two me boys. too. Boys. Yeah. Boy me moms. Too. Oh yes. I know. Right running all over the place. So 
I have to ask, um, you know, you know, we, I'm sure none of us have the answers, but I'm, I'm curious if you have any, any advice for a mom who wants to start a business or become an entrepreneur or may even have a moment right now where they're just like, is this even possible for me? Do you have any like advice for the moms out there? And I will be taking this as well. (laughs) Well, I guess my girlfriends that are thinking of starting companies that have maybe stayed at home for a bit with their kids, they, I think it's really overcoming the feeling that it's selfish, that like you're, if you're going to become an entrepreneur, that it feels like it's not a job, but it feels almost like I've just heard a lot of like commentary from moms feeling like it's hard to carve out time for themselves and carve out time for their passions. Um, And the best, the best thing I can relate to is that the more you invest in yourself and your passions and you're like happy, the better you're a mom. Like I, when I have great days at work, like I come home energized I am, my phone is put away. I'm on the floor playing with the trucks and the trains. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, there's, there's no dolls, unfortunately. And I just think that both sides of me dry, like being on full throttle really work. Um, so, you know, just find the time for yourself and for your creativity and believe, believe in yourself. Cause your kids are going to be so proud of you. If you can like build something. Oh, I love that so much. You know, what inspires you, Tanya? Um, I get so happy when someone buys a dress of ours and says how it changed their life or how it made them feel great after having kids and their body feels, you know, it feels like it's flattering or that it gave them the strength to do something. Those things really inspire me. Um, and then just like continually designing and creating with a sense of art. Like, I love just the idea that like people are wearing our art. Um, So yeah, I think impact to people and to community and just having it as like a medium of like how to keep, you know, expressing myself. I love it. And something I ask all of my guests on a fashion moment is what's one of your one, just one, because I'm sure you have a million, but one of your favorite fashion moments of all time. It could be personal, professional, something you witness, but just that something that gave you that just magical feeling like, like this is fashion, you know, like this is it. Uh Oh my God. I feel like I've been so lucky to actually feel that often. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's the Sagittarius. (laughs) I just... (laughs) I generally it could like be your moon. I don't know. Could, I, I'm a cancer I moon. I don't know. I feel like I really soak up fashion and its moments and it's what drives me, but maybe a personal one that like really made me realize I was obsessive about fashion was my prom dress was a dress that I saw Lucy Lou wore on the red carpet for Charlie's angels. And like in context, this is like a little girl in Toronto. So I don't even know why, like I went all out for a Lucy Lou. <laughs> I love her so much. Yes. Me too. It was Emmanuel Angaro. It was like strapless tight Jersey with a huge ruffle and it like very cut up on one leg. Um, 
And I made it my, like my life to find this dress. And my mom said that if I was going to, you know, buy that dress that I had to wear it to all four proms I was going to. (laughs) And so I, I wore this piece and I just changed up my hair, my accessories. I like, I don't know, maybe that inspired me to also think that like fashion is like you invest in something and then you can like, you know, make it your own in different ways. So that's like a fashion moment that always comes to mind, like first fashion moment. I love it. Well, I am so grateful that you came on the show and I I feel inspired. I feel like I'm having a moment with you and I appreciate it so much. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Thank you. You are wonderful to chat with and thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me for this week of a fashion moment. If you like what you hear, we'd love for you to join our community of listeners and spread the word about the show. We also want to hear from you. Share your favorite fashion moments and dream guests with us by sending an audio clip or email to a fashion moment podcast at gmail.com. Or you can tag us on Instagram at a fashion moment and you could be featured on next week's episode. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and let us know what you think. Until then, see you next time for another fashion moment. Podcast production by Rebecca Rashid and John Taylor Williams. Digital media production by Megan Porras. This recording carries a Creative Commons 4.0 international license. Thanks to Patrick Patrickios for their song, Hot Coffee.